0: scripture that we read a moment or two ago. So this is James We're at the beginning of the chapter and it's these first few verses. It's not the whole section that we looked at. It's that section from verse 1 to verse 7. So in September of last year, I think it was September <clears throat> a man named Andrew Mitchell hit the headlines. i 'm sure you remember the story. Some of you will. Mitchell was cycling out of Downing Street, where he worked. I think he was the the government 's chief whip, or maybe, his. and uh, he was alleged to have verbally assaulted a police officer. Because the police officer asked him, I think it was to to use the pedestrian exit rather than the the main exit of Downing Street. And what made that a story, what made made it worthy of the the subsequent news coverage wasn't wasn't the fact that someone insulted a police officer. And it wasn't the fact that somebody somewhere Called a policeman, a pleb. I think that probably happens a lot. No, the story was deemed newsworthy because it was a politician that had done it. It wasn't just an, a normal guy, it was a politician. It was someone whose job it was to, to serve in government. It was a man whose job it was supposedly to sort of serve the British public. So many people were outraged by his comments. They were outraged by his behavior because his actions seemed incongruous with his status as a member of parliament, didn't they? The actions were incongruous with his status. And really, that's what we're faced with tonight when you know, we, we turn back to the, the letter of Jesus. Because we, we come tonight to a topic, a way of behaving, an action that is absolutely incongruous with our state. Something that's incongruous with, with Christians, with, with people who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. And that action... The behavior, the focus of our attention tonight is, of course, this mistake of showing favoritism. That's what we're looking at tonight. The mistake of showing favoritism. So, friends, let's ponder what God has to say to us tonight in his words. And let's begin tonight by looking at a first heading together and that first heading's this a caption about favoritism a caption about favoritism okay so at the beginning of this this chapter the beginning of chapter 2 james he begins what is a, a, a new section is definitely a new section and we know this because he uses a marker he uses elsewhere in the letter to begin a new theme and it's that word that he uses in verse one it's the word brothers now see when you're reading the book of james the letter of james and you see that that word brothers you know that james is using that word to show you that he's kind of changing direction slightly we saw that in Uh, chapter 1 at verse 19 and we see that chapter 2 at verse 14 and we see it here as well. So what we've got is a new section here. But I think more importantly for us tonight, what we've got to note is that James gives this new section a title. He gives it a title. You see, verse 1 is absolutely critical. We've got to get our heads around verse 1. Because verse 1 is really the title. Verse 1 is the heading for that whole section that he's about to go into. You know, if you like, it's probably the most important verse in this whole section. It's a title. It's a caption. So what does he say in verse 1? What makes it so important? Well... <clears throat> As usual, James is very, very blunt in verse 1. We're beginning to see this theme come out in the letter of James, that James is incredibly blunt in his writing. There is no faffing about with James. And he gets straight to the point in verse 1, and he calls for an end to partiality, and end to partiality. What does he say? He says, very frankly, don't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. So what does that mean exactly? Don't show favoritism. What does it mean? Well, favoritism is not about friendship. Don't have that in your mind. This is not James forbidding us to be closer to some people than others. It's not that. It's not about friendship. No, what James is saying here is that you and I, we mustn't form our opinions about people based on the superficial. We shouldn't form our opinions on people based on what they wear, based on what they do. For their job. Favoritism is about judging people according to their external appearance. So that's that's part of the essence of what James is talking about. But it's not all. Because you see, we could read verse 1 wrong. And we could come out of church tonight with a really sort of moralistic view of what James is saying here. You know, we could leave tonight with a motto, a motto that your friends would be happy with, and a motto that all your work colleagues would be happy with. You know, we could read verse 1, and all we could think is that it's saying, don't judge a book by its cover. But you see, there's a much, much more important matter for us to grapple with here. Because think about who he's writing to. Because, you know, James really, really is at pains in verse 1 to emphasize who he's writing to. He is emphasizing something in verse 1 about his readership. Have Luke. look. He wants to draw attention to these people's status. See, what does he call them? We've we've seen that he, he calls them my brothers. He says that. Then he goes on. What else does he call them? He calls them believers. Then he even stresses who they are believers in. He says the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, simply put, James is saying, folks, you are Christians. You are to be. Different from the world. You are Christians. It is absolutely fundamentally important that you don't judge people by their external appearance. It is incongruous with your status. And he stresses that even in the way that he constructs his his this opening verse, this caption here. You see, you know, when you read any commentary, what they'll see at the beginning is that James's language that James's Greek is very high Greek. And what he does in verse 1 here is very, very clever because he sets two things in what's called apposition. We saw this. We saw that he did this in chapter 1. He sets two things, get this, two things side by side in the sentence to show just how opposing they are. What two things does he set side by side? He sets faith in Jesus Christ side by side with favoritism. Faith and favoritism. They are absolutely opposing. It is incompatible for a professing Christian to show favoritism. And, and friends, I can't stress to you tonight... Just how strong James is on this. I read this this week. There's was a guy. Um, it wasn't a commentator. It was another guy writing about this, and he's trying to get the point across just how strong James is here. And he says this. Listen to this. James's message is that to treat people according to their outward appearance—that is to deny our faith in Jesus Christ. To judge someone by their external appearance is to deny our faith in Jesus Christ. This is a strong message. This is a strong prohibition we have here. But that's fine. Let's tie it down. What does that look like practically? Practically. Practically, what does that look like? What does it mean? Well, we've seen that it's, it's not just a prohibition, is it? It's a prohibition for Christians. This is about favoritism within the Christian community. So what might that look like? Favoritism within a congregation. Well, there's many traps Uh, that you and I could fall into, I'm sure. But one example could be ageist favoritism. Ageist favoritism. You know, where we gravitate towards or we spend time with people who are similar to ourselves, similar in age to ourselves. More than that, in a congregation like ours especially, we could find ourselves guilty of ethnic favoritism, couldn't we? Where we rush at the end of a service to go and spend time with people who are from a similar background to ourselves or people out with the congregation where we always go and spend time with people from a similar country. Situations where we show undue attention towards people or we show favor towards people just because of superficial reasons so i hope you see this first point tonight i hope you see that favoritism is wrong Yeah, but more than that it's so so wrong for christians we must not show Favoritism is incongruous with our status. Okay. In 1955, 1955, there was a famous case. It was the case of Rosa Parks and her stand against segregation. I'm sure. Everyone knows the story of Rosa Parks. Parks was on a bus, and she was traveling in uh, Alabama, traveling across Alabama. And she was asked to stand up and give her seat to a white person who had just boarded that bus. And Parks refused. And as a result, uh, she was arrested and she was found guilty of charge against her, and she was fined for that. And as a result, I think there was something of outcry in the state because of this case. And we can see that because of the attitude of the bus driver, because, and I'm sure, of the attitude of the police, because of this attitude of prioritizing a white person over somebody else simply because of outward appearance, that that's an illustration, it's an example favoritism. And that's what we've got in our second heading tonight. Because we've seen a caption, but the second thing we've got to wrestle with is an example of favoritism, isn't it? Because that's what James does here. He gives us, you know, we've looked at the first one in this caption, but then he goes into verse 2, and he gives us this theoretical situation. He gives us an illustration of the problem that he's dealing with. So what's the scene that he paints? Well, you saw it from verse 2, didn't you? A rich man. A rich man comes into a meeting. The doors, you can imagine it. The doors fling open. Here's this guy. And he's looking sharp. He's got his rings and his fancy clothes. And he comes into this meeting in all his finery. And what happens? He is given respect. He is given a place of favor and honor and a good seat in the meeting. And then what happens? A poor chap comes in. And this guy is dressed shabbily. He's dressed in rags. And as a result, the congregation show him contempt. And this guy, because of what he's wearing, basically has to sit on the floor. So what do we take from that example? James has painted this illustration. What do we take from it? I think two things. First one, we should see that favoritism damages our witness for Christ. Favoritism damages our witness. I will witness to Christ. What does that mean? Well, consider that example again. See, what's noticeable about both the rich guy and the poor guy is that they don't know what to do. You know, they don't know the drill in the church, do they? They don't know what to do, where to, where to go, where to sit. And we're used to that situation, aren't we? We get so... Many visitors, it's a joy to be in this congregation because we get so many visitors, but that's what's going on here. These guys come to a meeting and they don't know what to do. They don't know where to sit. They come from outside the Christian community into a church meeting. And James is pointing out that by showing favoritism, that by prioritizing a rich person over a poor person, what do we do? We damage our message, don't we? We damage the message that the church has. You know, we should be saying that it's the spiritual that counts, not the material. So the first implication is that favoritism weakens our witness. But a second implication here is that money is often at the heart of favoritism. Money is often at the heart of favoritism. I don't know if you can cast your mind back to chapter 1, but James did the same thing there, didn't he? In chapter 1, he talked about trials, and he talked about testing, and he used money He used the problem of rich and poor again as the example and the illustration. And he does the same thing here. With this problem of favoritism, again, it is to money that he goes for his example. And I'm sure you'd agree that, unfortunately, regrettably, that is timelessly appropriate illustration isn't it you know christian favoritism because of money christian let's say christian snobbery that is as alive and well in the 21st century as it was in the first century you see the devil's not stupid He uses the the attractiveness of wealth to entice us in and to entice us into the sin of favoring certain people. So the second implication is that money leads or often leads to the sin of favoritism. Can I ask you tonight, what do you think of James's example of this rich and the poor person? What do you think of it? You know When, when you read that, do you think, well, that, that's fine, and it's, I'm sure it's helpful for some people, but in our congregation, we wouldn't do that. I'm not so sure. You know, if there was a, a poor person that came in, a homeless person? that came in off the streets tonight and if he was soon followed by a wealthy businessman would it not be tempting is it not the safer option to go and speak to the wealthy businessman I don't know let's take heed of this example that James gives though and As a congregation, in everything that we do, you know, in the way that we welcome people and in the hospitality we show, and even, I think, in the evangelism that we involve ourselves in, let's not prioritize certain groups of people. Let's not show favoritism. Okay, so that the young people of our congregation um, let the cat out of the bag in the last week or so because they let it be known that at the youth fellowship at the 20s and 30s meetings that they have not just been studying the Bible and they have not just been talking about spiritual things together they have also been doing impressions and they have been doing impressions of their minister I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. But I would like to say to them tonight, um, in terms of this sermon here, do you get it? Do you? Do you? Do you get it? See, we've seen so far that this prohibition in the first verse, haven't we? Don't show favoritism. And then we've seen this example and the fact that if we show favoritism, then we damage the witness for Christ. And that money's very often the temptation when it comes to favoritism. So let's conclude with a third thing. And that is a principle here in these verses, a principle about favoritism. Okay, so James, in verse 6 and 7, he ends this kind of mini section we've got here by showing how senseless it is to give favor to rich people. He says it's a senseless thing to do. Now remember who he's writing to. He's writing to suffering believers, isn't he? He's writing to people who are persecuted. And he says to them, why? Why on earth would you favor rich people? And what does he say? He says, basically, they're the people who are treating you like dirt. It's the rich people who are exploiting you. It's the rich people who are dragging you into court. Why would you, why would you give them honor and praise? They don't deserve it. So that's how, that's how he ends the section but before he does that, he lays out a great principle that should govern our behavior as much as should, it should govern them. It's just a principle here. Effectively, he says, ask Christians, don't show favoritism. Why not? Because it contradicts the values of God. It contradicts the values of God. And it does, doesn't it? God never acts like this. God doesn't show favoritism. Ever. He doesn't judge by external appearance. Now think about that episode in the Old Testament and the the, the, the prophet Samuel, and he goes and he's to identify the next king, and he says he sees Eliab and he sees this strong and strapping guy and he thinks this must be the guy of god's choosing what does god do god chooses somebody else god chooses david and god says the lord doesn't look at the things man looks at man looks at outward appearance but the lord looks at the heart And that's what James is saying here. He's saying, look, guys, the world, it's going to value the rich person. And it's going to value the beautiful person. And it's going to value the intelligent person, the wise person. But God doesn't do that. What does he say? He says, God often chooses those who are poor in the eyes of the world. To inherit his kingdom. And friends, that's what we've got to take out of this tonight. The fact that we mustn't show favoritism because God doesn't show favoritism. You see, in the whole of this letter, there is only a couple of instances where James mentions the name of Jesus. There's only a couple of instances in the whole letter where James mentions Jesus. And he uses it here. In this section about favoritism in verse 1 James uses the name Jesus. Do you see how Jesus is described Do you see it in verse 1? He is described as being glorious. And do you see why that is? You see, our God doesn't want us to show favoritism. He doesn't want us to give honor and respect to people because of their car or because of their clothing or because of their career. Because if we're doing that, we're not giving all of the honor. We're not giving all of the praise to the one who deserves it. We're not giving all the praise to the one who lived for us. We're not giving all the praise of the one who died for us. And the one who can truly, truly be described as glory. My friend, I don't, I, I don't know your material uh, situation tonight. I don't know your bank balance. But I do know that if you, through Jesus Christ, if you have been saved from your sin, then I do know that you are rich tonight. Such is the inheritance that is yours, that is coming to you, that you are rich, rich beyond your wildest dreams, rich beyond your wildest imagination. So I would say to you, let's live this. Okay, let's live this out. Let's not show favoritism. Instead, let's show the world the one who deserves honor. The one who deserves respect, the one who truly is the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.